0: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: I'm Sophie Scott.
0: And I'm James Gill.
1: Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone.
0: We'll be chatting with our favourite people.
1: Sharing uplifting news stories.
0: And delivering tips and tricks.
1: To bring balance to your lives.
0: Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today, the wonderful Laura Woods. I've been a huge fan of Laura's for a while. I'm a, a big, as my <laughs> as my family will attest, uh, I'm a huge fan of... It sounds like I'm doing an ad for Sky Sports. I promise I'm not. I mean, I absolutely would do. Uh, huge fan of Sky Sports and... Laura Woods was just such a breath of fresh air. She exploded onto the scene. Fantastic presenter, real authority, incredibly likable. Just like a gr- <laughs> it's like my mum here. She's got a great way with her. But she has. She got and she. We bring this up in the chat. She reminds me of uh, the great Gabby Logan, who I, who I've, you know, I've said on this podcast. I think he's one of the great broadcasters. Uh, and so when the, the the planets aligned, call it what you will, when the opportunity uh, arose to chat with Laura. Genuinely, I thought, I thought I'd won a competition because I'm, so, I'm such a fan of hers. I think she's she's wonderful. Uh, so we chat uh, about her career, uh, her admirable rise to the top, started out as a runner. Uh, again, that's something I've talked about on this pod before. It, 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 this happens a lot in the world of work. People who start out uh, at that entry level job and just graft their way to the top. It, it's It's wonderful. Uh, And excitingly, Laura has the the coveted morning slot on uh, on TalkSport. So if it sounds like I'm a fully paid up member of the uh, Laura Woods fan club, if if one existed, I I absolutely would be. I think she's terrific. Uh, And this was a a lockdown chat recorded a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So a a real thrill to to chat with uh, someone I admire a a great deal. Uh, The wonderful... Laura Woods. Uh, How are you finding it yourself?
2: I'm all right. I'm I'm genuinely, I mean, I change from day to day. I think everybody's a little bit similar, aren't they? Some days are better than others. Um, I I get to go to work three mornings a week, which I think makes a big difference because you're getting out and about.
0: I agree.
2: Um, And for the first few weeks, being in my house on my own, my flatmate left and then couldn't come back because of lockdown.
0: Oh
2: um, my gosh. Yeah, and I and I don't have a garden so I found that I found that really hard. I found myself sort of going through phases. I thought I was going a little bit mad and I started talking to myself out loud. But I think it was just for company. <laughs>
0: and I just Yeah, for sure. I
2: actually, I actually quite enjoyed it. And and then I started getting everything done, but I was I was ill for the first couple of weeks. So that that was why I think I felt like I was going mad because I couldn't, you know, I was in bed. I couldn't really get out and about. I was so isolated. And then, as soon as I got better, lockdown happened. So I felt like for a really oh, long time I was I was stuck on my own. And and that, you know, when you go from a job where you are talking to somebody every day or seeing somebody every day, I found that quite difficult. But um, I'm getting into a bit of a, more of a routine now. Um, but it is weird because. What what I'm now finding hard is, even though I'm going into the office, it's, I'm getting up really early. So then when you come home, you're just in this weird headspace of you're really tired, so you've got a nap. Then you wake up and you can't really go anywhere or do anything. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mixture, really. It's it's odd times, isn't it? It's odd times for everybody, though. Did,
0: did you have the, the thing, then, when you were ill?
2: I think I did.
0: Yeah.
2: I haven't been tested, yeah. but I think I did. And everybody I spoke to had the same thing where they can't taste and can't smell for a little while afterwards. And I had that. So I didn't have a temperature. I was hot, but it didn't go like massively over. Um, And I didn't have a massive cough either.
0: So it's my wife trying to help. I feel like the guy, you know, was it the guy on BBC news when his kids invade that? This is is that moment. The guy I was thinking about with your little daughter. Do you you want to go with (laughs) mummy?
2: He's all right.
0: She's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> I'm coming. Jay go with mummy Oh. Hello. Mwah. We love you very much.
2: <laughs> oh, bless us. Oh.
0: No, I am. Look, I, I can't apologise enough.
2: Don't
0: worry. Honestly, I don't fine. Oh, my, Laura, my, my wife wants me to apologise for my hair as well. Why? Oh. So, so I did this be- yet. Yeah, this is probably. The, I mean, I've done a lot of stupid things. This is up there. I mean, it's only like week four. I mean, what the f- you know? So I'm normally bald, but with like black. What what was left was 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 black. And then I, I mean, it's it's so embarrassing what I've done. And so all my friends who have hair are shaving their hair with the lockdown, which I think is like a, a waste as as a man who has no hair. So I thought I'll grow what little hair I've got and then I'll bleach it. So I did it yesterday, and uh, some of the abuse I've got from friends and family has been. Heartbreaking.
2: I quite like it. I would have honestly, if you'd have said that that is, I, I wouldn't have even questioned it. That's just your normal look. my <laughs> like, God, so normally black, you must look so different.
0: Oh, uh, honestly, my, the, my one-year-old didn't recognise me yesterday. So it was.
1: Oh no. Oh, I
0: was it was awful. Um, yeah, so I'll get the apology out of the way. I'm. I'm truly, I am truly feel like I'm having a press conference here. I am trying to apologise. I'm walking <laughs> straight. It was,
2: how are you going to get things back on track?
0: <laughs> I mean, Laura, that's between me and my wife. Something that we've got to work through.
2: <laughs> you have lost the dressing room. And By that, I mean the lounge.
0: <laughs> oh, Laura! Yes, that is absolute gold. Lost the dressing room. Tell you what, I have as well. Um, I mean, before before we get onto the talk sport gig, and mm. if I may blow smoke uh, and take this as the huge compliment that it is, and this isn't aimed at this isn't a criticism about anyone else, but. In terms of the impact you've had at Sky Sports News and Sky Sports in general, um, you've really, I just think you've really lifted the place. And I just think you, you hit the ground running. You're such a great presence on TV. Uh, I think you've been absolutely fantastic. You've been, you've been exactly, I, mean, I love Sky Sports. I've watched it, yeah. you know, pretty much since launch. Uh, and I just think you've been just the tonic there um can you just say a bit about how that came about and what that was like to have such an impact uh in the, in the way that you've had
2: wow that's made me a little bit emotional I must be this isolation's getting into my head isn't it <laughs> um <laughs> do you know what I, um genuinely I don't think I've um, and I probably still don't um believe in my own hype <laughs> I don't um There's something in that though Maybe there is. I I think really when I first started at Sky, I was a runner and um, I found it really difficult. I wasn't allowed to tell anybody that I wanted to be a presenter because the general attitude to women coming through the doors, wanting to be a presenter, not from management necessarily, just from everybody around you was that, um, oh, everyone, everyone wants to be a presenter, you know, in that kind of sort of degrading way of, you you know women just want to be presenters because it's glam. Yeah, I've never found it glamorous in my life, and um, I think I think gradually I think the reason why I have this attitude is because it's been very difficult to get the opportunities. Um, so moving moving from a runner, I learned the ropes to be a producer. That was that was generally the way that I was going, and all the while trying to get experience in reporting. And really, you can't you can't get it without I think going and doing things off your own merit. So I did it by um, borrowing cameras and doing behind-the-scenes interviews with darts players. And I loved my darts. And um, and basically, I there was a spare camera, and I said to my boss, I pleaded with him, and he never really thought I was a presenter ever. And he couldn't understand why I wanted to be a presenter. He wanted me to be a producer. And he said, you're going to be a brilliant producer, and he gave me loads of opportunities in that sense. Yeah. And, um, so I produced... From a, from a young age, I produced snooker. That was my first live sport I ever produced. Andy Goldstein was my presenter, who I now sure. work for. Yeah. Um, did loads produced um, live Speedway. Shit myself. It was hard. Um, didn't I just didn't get a buzz off it at all. And I accepted for about a season that I was never going to report. I just accepted it. And I thought, you know what? This is my new career path. I'll be a producer. I missed I Missed something, Mister buzz. And I remember, um, I remember thinking, genuinely thinking that I'm just going to give it one more bash. And then I, I tried to make these YouTube videos for darts. And I said to my boss, can I just borrow a camera? I'll do my yeah. job. It will take me two minutes. I'll pop back post-match interviews with the players or pre-match. Um, and then if you like it, you use it on the YouTube channel. And if you don't, I'll make my own YouTube channel. So I basically just nicked the camera, scripted a load of questions, did fun and games, Learned to edit, cut it together, then voiced it. And um, and he was like, okay, we'll stick it out on Dart social media. So we didn't have an individual one, it was just Sky Sports social media. And basically all it did really was just gave me confidence and, and gave me experience in interviewing. I used to do behind-the-scenes interviews yeah. right away from being a runner, but my questions wouldn't be asked, it was only the answers. And then from there, other other teams picked me up, did um, NFL um pre-match post-match interviews when we had the international games at Wembley just pitch side um I got a job on game changers which was our kids show at Sky and gradually it kind of just built up I did stuff outside of Sky for matchroom sport and golf um and I was really shit genuinely I couldn't I remember doing matchroom right golf and they used to script these links and all you had to do was pre-recorded all you had to do was deliver a, a line to camera yeah. quite long and for someone that wants to be a presenter or a reporter my memory is dreadful and I remember thinking like why am I why am I, it was torture it was torture and I just remember the camera crew I mean luckily we all got on really well but the camera crew were just like fuck my life like I couldn't deliver this I couldn't deliver a link and it would go on and on and on. And I remember one got up to sixteen takes. And the producer was looking at me, and he was like, "Should we shorten it?" And I was like, "No, because I have to get it." Anyway, eventually I got it, and um, <laughs> it was just I hate, I still hated it. And I watch myself back sometimes, and I go, "Oh, that's awful." And then we started. Anyway, I got a new job on Soccer AM online channel, so we started this um, YouTube channel. We'd never done it before. That's right. With
0: uh, what's he called, the lad?
2: Mithy. Yes, yes of course yeah, yeah. Definitely. and uh he was my co-presenter and basically it was it was just the best fun i've ever had we would go to um matches we'd never go to the games we'd have to watch them in the pub <laughs> but we'd do pre-match yeah um, half-time and post-match interviews and facebook lives and interviewing fans and and we'd just make all this content for these fan channels and we went to the euros and i remember i was like I'm going to pitch an idea to our bosses. I really want to go to the Euros and I think we need to try and go. And they were like, we don't have the rights. And I was like, we don't need the rights. We just need to do it as a fan channel. And I pitched this idea about um, going on the road, taking a camper van, going, following the teams around, speaking to the fans, that sort of stuff. And they went for it and I couldn't believe it. And we all went out there for a month to France and it was the best thing we've ever done. And we had to do these Facebook lives for 10 minutes a day, minimum, because we had a contract with them and sometimes there were no games you know when it gets to knockout stages you have got with no games and we were like yeah. what are we going to talk about but we'd have to do it and we just went live and it it enabled me to learn to communicate in my own voice and it was like a it was like someone had just flicked a switch and i was like oh this is this is presenting isn't it this is what don't worry about saying R oh, oh, or whatever just say it and don't script yourself. And I couldn't read an auto cue for shit anyway. I'd done, I'd done three um, Sky Sports News screen tests and I'd absolutely bombed all of them. And I just couldn't read an auto cue. Yeah. So, I'd, so I've never used an auto cue in my, in my career. I don't like it. Do you
0: think you and, ever will?
2: No, no. The only the only auto cue stuff I've ever done is at the top of the debate, it's a hello and welcome because it's like the menu so your, your script has to go in time with certain pictures. It's the only time, and I never will, no. At TalkSport, we might have to do, like, a sponsored read, some out of the break, of blah, 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 you know. And even that, I hate it, because I, I struggle to get through it. Um, and I always used to wonder if I was dyslexic, but it, I realise now I'm not. It was a confidence thing, I just couldn't do it. I wasn't a natural reader, and I couldn't do it. Have you been
0: for hypnotherapy or anything
2: like that? No, I haven't, actually. Um I
0: mean, I'm saying this, I mean, I've known you for, what, 15 minutes <laughs> But if, if, if speaking to you as your friend of 15 minutes i would say it's worth you it's worth you pursuing something because i can see you in not very not in a in a, in a short space of time fronting saturday night bbc one itb um now would i don't you know if that's on your wish list or anything
2: i don't know i think i think now what i've found Talksport helped with it because when you're shoved to these bits of papers, right, and it's like a big A4 bit of paper, you've got to read it, I learned just to slow down. So I didn't have hip- hypnotherapy, but I had some help with just slowing everything down, chilling out a little bit, and then getting a bit more confident, and that helps. I mean, I still hate it. I still hate anything. If you if you ask me the option, and I do get them, would you like autocue? I'll always say no. I'd rather I oh, so you, learn it.
0: Again, I mean, I'm, this is turning into uh, Laura Wood's Frank here. But when I see you on Sky Sports and you're absolutely bossing it live from, take your pick, Old Trafford, it's, it, you have the authority of someone who's reading that. Authority. The fact that you're not auto-kewinging killing is incredible.
2: Uh, thank you, I suppose, this is <laughs> to start with. Do um, you know what? I think there's a level of naivety in in the way that I present. What I mean by naivety is I can't visualize the amount of people that are watching. It's the same with TalkSport. I can't visualize the listeners. But if you told me one person is watching, I will not be able to get that person out of my head. So if I get a text from someone just before I go live and someone says, Oh, I'm watching. I'm like, shit. So I won't look at my phone anymore. And when I was younger, I never used to tell my family when I was broadcasting. Absolutely. I wouldn't want the pressure of it. So I I think... I
0: can totally relate to that. I totally agree. Yeah. You
2: you just... I think now it's a strength of not being able to visualise the amount of people watching. Because if I did, I think it would make me a lot more nervous. And then as soon as you start, it's... um, I think it's adrenaline where you just have to get used to it and you just have to go for it. Um... And with things like team news, I remember when I first started. Actually, Jeff Sharif said to me, "One, here's one piece of advice: yeah. um, get rid of your notes." So in my interviews, I'd used to clutch these notes, and I would never have time to look at them, but they'd be like at my safety blanket. And he said, "Get rid of them and just trust in in your own thoughts." Um, and that is one piece of advice from Jeff that that really resonated with me. If it's team news, I will I will just scrap. I will go in. I will do that, but I will never... Instinct never... otherwise then. Yeah, yeah. So, so our, for interviews, it has to be instinct because also you have to listen to what they're saying and, and reflect and react to what they're saying. That's important as well. Um, but with auto I, I won't have it. Even at the top of the debate, I don't like it. And we've talked about getting used to it, uh, getting rid of it, because it's just... I would, rather, I would rather mess up on my own merit and be able to pick it up in my head it's a bit like I always think, you know, with cassette tapes. Yeah. If you if you're on an auto cue, you're on a cassette tape, and if you cut that cable, that piece of tape, you can't pick it back up because no. it's not your brain doing it. That's right. Whereas if it's your brain and you trip up, no. you've that natural cassette is in your head. So you can you know, <coughs> trust in your own ability, I suppose, is the is the kind of the lesson there.
0: I agree. Mm. Um, so how how did the uh... I mean, the talk, again, this is, I'm not, I'm not aiming this at anyone at all, but uh, I need to be careful how I phrase this. <laughs> the, talk, the, talk sport, <laughs> the talk sport move is, is uh, that feels like the shot in the arm, but uh, it, it's great for talk sport, but it's great for you. That's the way I should have put it. How, um, how did that come about? Because that's, that's a proper green move as well, isn't it?
2: So that, that's funny, actually, how that came about. Um, I remember it really clearly. I lost a job at Sky. Um, when I say lost a job, didn't get fired. I just got dropped from. We did this pub show. It was a live pub show. Oh, it was just. It was just yeah. one of those things. But I did think again. I thought if I was really good, this wouldn't have happened. So that's what. That's what sat in my head. And it's always those knocks that kind of keeps you keeps you grounded for whatever reason. So um, I was I was panicking and I thought I don't want to go backwards because I always felt like I'd learnt so much from those pub shows. But those are all the, those are all the really hard lessons that you learn. And I got such I'd, I'd I'd taken such strides forwards in my confidence and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, I sat there and I and I'd been thinking about radio for a little while and I asked somebody about how I get into radio, and they put me in touch with Talksport and Talksport gave me an, an audition. Amazing. And I never I never thought honestly I I'd, I'd just. It was for half an hour every once a week on Alan's show, Alan's breakfast show. And I never in a million years thought I was good enough to touch talk sport. But what I did know is if I could get that job, what you get from radio is time. And I remember thinking, God, if I can get better at, at speaking fluidly, my skills will go through the roof because I felt really disjointed still. I thought, um, anyway, I got this audition and it was easy. It was like, oh, just having a chat, really. it was. I couldn't believe how relaxed it was. Easy is the wrong word. Relaxed is the right word.
0: Uh, anyway, not natural.
2: Natural, yeah. They put me straight onto Alan's show and I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, and Alan, Alan, it's quite funny, actually, because Alan's been a hero of mine for a long time. And uh, not because of just he's broadcasting legend isn't he and I've listened to him since my dad used to listen to him those are the early early days so um but not because he's a, a broadcasting legend but also just because of everything that comes with him like I've always liked I've liked his style I've liked his lifestyle you know I've liked everything about him um and I met him a couple of weeks before my audition in Portugal I was doing a um a golf competition and I was sat there drinking with him and I couldn't believe it I genuinely and I sat with the producer and the producer of the golf show that I was doing knew that I had an audition with Alan in a couple of weeks. And I sat there and he was saying to me, he said, wow, what would it mean if you got that? And I said to him, I was like, I cannot explain to you how much it would mean to work. Wow. And he reminds me of it. When I got this job this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he texted me and he was like, remember that day? And I do, because we sat there and we discussed it in length over a daiquiri. And, um, <laughs> and I, was, I, I was overawed about giving the about getting the opportunity. Tell you what it was. It was before the audition. Yeah, I was overawed about getting the opportunity to do the audition, and that was before any of this started. And then, and then, obviously, I started working on the show once a week. That went up to two. That went up to three. Up to four. Then I got a Friday night show. Then I got a Saturday night show. Um, then Bloody I. Got hell, a Laura. Show. It went like this really quickly. I mean,
0: absolutely, yeah.
2: Then I got asked to cover him when he was on holiday and then when he was off sick.
1: <laughs> so
2: just, yeah, snowballed really, snowballed really quickly. He's just, a, he's an, he is an institution. He's incredible. But the one thing really that I will always be grateful for with him, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his warmth is massive towards me. So I've listened to him tear people to shreds. And it's funny, you know, and, it, and whether it be a journalist, an ex-player, someone doing the newspaper articles like I used to do or whatever. And I was very aware that this was this is Alan's house, isn't it? So
1: of course.
2: I walked in, I sat down, I would have been nervous and he, he, he might as well have just reached over and held my hand through the whole thing. He was so warm, and so wonderful and um, and so generous with his time as well. So he'll, he'll let you walk in there and just take that section and take it whichever way you want to.
0: And you remember that, won't you?
2: Always, always, yeah. always. So that's why when I disagree with him, and we do disagree on things, like we don't agree on mental health. You know, there's other things that, that we've we've not come to blows. It would never be like that on there at all. But we've we've had a debate, which which is what TalkSport should be. <laughs> <Yeah. You
0: know? laughs> I, per- I mean, it's literally perfect for the show, isn't
2: it? You, know? well, you need you need that and yeah. for. Um, any of Alan's criticisms, I don't. I will never remember those, and I and I don't associate him with those either. I associate him with this man with the, who has a huge heart, who's afforded me a platform, and and really has been a massive element of of why I've done well on TalkSport because he's allowed that to happen, and he's he's not just allowed it to happen. Allowed might be the wrong word. He has enabled me to come in stick my feet under the table um, and help me grow. That's, and I'll always be grateful to him for that.
0: But please may I ask, when when did you feel that the breakthrough had truly arrived at, at Sky? Um, it just felt, it, it felt to me as someone who, if my wife was here now, would say I watch way too much. I mean, I still watch Sky Sports News and there's a fucking global pandemic. I mean, there's no there's no news. I'm sad I they're still watching it. it. You know, it's ridiculous. I just, I like, if I'm honest with you, a lot. Like, if we're talking mental health, I think there's something nice and reassuring about having Sky Sports News on in the background, and that sounds ridiculous, but I, I, it's one of my favourite things, you know. But with you, you just—it just from my point, from where I was. And again, this this is a compliment. It felt like you'd been one of the main people for a long time. You just—it felt like you hit the ground running. When did you feel you would truly broken through as one of the main people on Sky?
2: I think when they gave me that Super Sunday gig, yeah.
1: um
2: I was I was like, oh my god, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And it came in the same season. I had I got Super Sunday, the debate on a Monday night, and a Premier League interview once a, for once a week. And um all of a sudden it what was amazing about that is that I know everyone at Sky. I know everyone. I know every job that they do and I've probably done it. And if I haven't done it, I've worked alongside somebody doing it for enough, enough years that I understand what's required of them. And I understand how difficult that job is. Of course. But when I've got that job and when, and when I was given that time, it was so amazing because it felt like we'd all done it together. If you know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody that I'd grown up with and all of the people that were runners at the same time as me all of a sudden we were in these positions where we were producers, we were directors, um, we were presenters and uh, it felt like the kids were suddenly at the driving, What's the, what's the phrase driving? We were, we were suddenly the adults yeah. and, and it felt, it felt like a, I was so proud of it, but I was, I was especially proud because I just, again, I couldn't see, I couldn't see why I was there. Um, and, living it with all the people that I'd grown up with made it really special because they were like, Oh my God, why, what's happening? And I was like, I don't know. And it, but it, but I felt really proud. I felt really proud to be doing it. And um, I think the first season was a blur. It was the beginning of this season where I've, I've gone, right. I've done this for a season now. And now I feel welcome. Um, Welcome. Maybe welcome is the wrong word. Now I felt like I was, meant to be there whereas the first season I always felt like I was like oh am I all right to be doing this I felt sure. like I was a, a part in somebody else's show which which essentially I am it's Dave's show you know Dave is amazing and and I'm a, I'm given this small about amount of time and I've got to make it good enough and it's got to be good enough that when you go back to the studio and you see Graham Souness, Roy Keane, sometimes Jose Mourinho yeah. you know you sit and you're looking back and you're going Neville and Cara it's coming to me and then it's going back to them I was sure. like. You're, you've got to raise everything, and you've got to give everything that you've got, and make it worthy of being in that space. So I still don't feel worthy of it. Um, but this season, I felt more comfortable, and I thought I've done it for a season now. I'm going into it. I know what to expect, and people know what they're to expect from me as well. So that that's when it felt more real. I think
0: I'm not. I'm not picking Gabby Logan because she's also uh female. I'm picking Gabby Logan because I think she's one of the greatest. You know, I know Gabby quite a bit. We work, you know, we work with, work with each other. Uh, and I said to her, to her face, I think one of the greatest broadcasters I, I've ever seen. What Gabby has that you have is is authority. Is who? I'm not putting words in your mouth with Gabby. It might not be Gabby, but who are the people who, as you were progressing, who are the ones that you look up to?
2: It's Gabby. Yeah, <laughs> it is Gabby. But there's there's one thing about Gabby. When I was younger and I looked at her, I didn't look at her because she was female. And when you are younger...
0: 100%, 100%, yeah.
2: When you are younger, you're not aware of these social disparities, really. I
0: look, not. At- it's, it, I mean, what, what do I know? I'm a straight white man, but um, mm-hmm. I, I know what you mean. Because, you yeah, it's, it's that naivety again, isn't it, I suppose? She's,
2: yeah. she's there. So because she was there, I wasn't aware of it. I, I never really... It was only when I got a little bit older and I learned what sexism you know what's what's gender what's the gender pay gap you know what's the disparity between men and women i suddenly learned that and i was like oh okay and then the reason i loved gabby is the same way you love gabby because when i watched her she was your mate but she was also your authority so she she was funny she was quick and they respected She's so quick her. so quick and and everybody in that room respected her and there's that, le- there's that a perfect blend of all those things that you want her to be. She And she just spoke in a natural voice. And I can't emphasize enough how important that natural voice is because when I watch a newsreader, for example, if they execute everything perfectly, they're brilliant professionals. But if I, if I feel like I've got to know them and they may, even if That's they make so me, give them for it because I don't care because they're my mate and I've got to know you. And I think, that for me is what I resonate with. So, so true. It is, isn't it? And it's like it is. if you're looking at someone and they give you a little bit of a, a flash of character, a flash of personality.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi.
2: I want to see a little bit more of that.
0: You've hit the nail on the head. I, what you've just said, I'll be passing off as my own opinion.
2: I, I, I... <laughs> Take anything you want. Cut all my bits down and then just
0: <laughs> like, No, but you're right. I mean, if you, you know, if you think, and I'm making this statistic up, but probably 90% of presenters and hosts and what have you will largely pass you by, but it's that 10%. Maybe it's less than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like Jeff Stelling. Um he, you know, with a quip, uh, mm-hmm. even before he broke through as this, you know, in my opinion, this national treasure of, of Sky mm-hmm. Sports. But we felt we got to know of it, didn't we? Because he, he yeah. occasionally would let the guard down.
2: And Jeff started on darts. So darts, oh. darts seems to be, obviously, at Sky started on darts, goodness knows how much work he did before that. But darts seems to be a very good... Um, breeding ground. <laughs> very good breeding ground. Yeah, but no, you're right. I find it, anyone who I look at who I think are my favourite presenters... I, I, they are my favourite presenters and they are my favourite characters because they um, invite you in and allow you to... They're open. They're just completely open. They've stripped it all down yeah. um, and you forgive them for any mistake. And, and the mistakes become smaller. And that's another thing that I'm learning. And that if you make a mistake, you're, you're forgiven for it because we are human and we're not robots. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I ever learned on TV was I was so scared to make a mistake. Uh, and I was so scared that I was physically, rest- I was constricted by wor- worry and nerves. So I'd make more mistakes. And then the minute I kind of went, oh, you know what? Who cares? And again, that's what I learned on, on Soccer AM. I'd make a mistake and i go, whoops. And then I could correct it and blah, 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 and whatever. And yeah. Relatable then, isn't it? It is relatable, yeah. And sometimes now I still make mistakes because that's just natural. It's just kind of we It's what we do, you know. Sometimes I'll say something and I'll, I won't know why I've said it. And I'll look on social media and someone will go, oh, my God, do you realise that you just said that name wrong or you just said someone completely different? He's not he, hes not all right. And I'll be like, ah, shit. Oh, well. And then you've just got to try and put it behind you and move on. And, and the more you do it, the more, the more accepting of yourself you are.
0: Now, what's the deal with these guys who literally must be sat there
2: oh. holding
0: their phone... Like waiting for that nanosecond of ah, you said soloshara. It's actually solosharp because they've they've tweeted it as it's actually coming out your mouth. Um, are, you, are you able to? You now I'm I'm a sensitive soul, so I let things like that upset me. Are you able to block that stuff out?
2: Ah, uh, it depends which day you catch me on, and it depends how much sleep I've had. Because sometimes oh, I yeah. will go, I will go. You know what? That that rolls off me completely. I don't care. I've got a thick skin. Um, other days when i'm tired or stressed or i've worked x amount of hours um it does really get to me and i i found this the week that i started the first job uh, first day in, in the role of my new job at talksport talksport announced me as like this sort of um i think the words were like the it was almost like the beginning of a new era sure
0: and
2: if you Say that to a fan base that aren't ready for the end of the the last era, it's like a red rag to a bull. Because
0: they fear change.
2: Yeah, hate change. That's it. That's literally it. Nobody likes change, and I totally accept that. And my first night before my first day, they put out a tweet, and I just got this stream of hate. And I was like, oh my god! And I couldn't sleep. And I remember I went to bed at ten o'clock. I woke up at eleven. Yeah. I couldn't sleep anymore. That was it. That was done, And I knew it. And my eyes were darting all over the place. And I was doing my best to sleep. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And I thought, what have I done? I was like, I've I've accepted a job that nobody really should accept. Because you're you're not only following a legend that's been in the position he has for 20 years. And he's so loved. You're also taking a job as a sports anchor on a sports show with no sport. Um, And you're also doing it at a time where nobody else has much to do a lot of people are at home and all they really can do is is judge you so it's you know people use this word unprecedented a lot at the moment i understand why and and that job if somebody had written that job down to me last year a few years ago right you're going to take the breakfast show on on Talksport but you haven't got any sport to talk about you're following in alan brazil's footsteps and you're doing it at a time where you can't leave that show behind you and go to the pub with your mates or go and see your mum and have a cuddle if it's not gone well you've got to go back to your flat on your own and sit there and think about it and wallow <laughs> no someone had sat there you know on a bit of paper and, and said you've got four hours to fill good luck yeah yeah and your presenters aren't in the in the room with you they're on the phone sure so, you can't have this warmth. You don't have, and, and the delay is sometimes three seconds long. I'd have been like, no, thank you. <laughs> sure, But we're doing it. Um, and we just have to accept it. And, and that social media element of it, I'd be lying if I said it didn't hurt me because it does. It really hurts me. And I'm finding myself stepping away from it more and more lately. Um, because I, turn
0: the notifications off.
2: Um, yeah, I don't have those on anymore. Um, and, but sometimes, sometimes, more often than not, I love social media, and this is something that me and Alan disagree on. I don't think you should be governed by trolls. So Alan thinks that if you don't like it, you should get off it. But I absolutely love interacting with, with people on Twitter.
0: Um, I think that's, like, that's like saying that you, you shouldn't go to football matches because people swear.
2: Yeah. Well, this is what I said to Alan. My, my example is... It's like saying you shouldn't buy nice things in case someone steals them. <laughs> yeah. They're, like it's the same, you know, and I love going on Twitter because it's funny and, and you can see, you can see some hilarious things on Twitter. You can also see some really heartwarming things and you can interact with people that, you know, I'm, I'm under no illusions that what we're doing at the moment on talk sport is keeping, like you say, it's keeping people company in a time that, where they need a little bit of energy. So even if you're not getting sport, our listener figures actually are quite good and because people are turning
0: oh i bet they are absolutely
2: i want some company you know they want some entertainment and even if there's no sport there's still sport stuff to talk about um so i know that and i and i also know that interacting with people on social media is good for me as it is for them it keeps me company as well and i enjoy it and i want to hear what people are up to but for every three or four nice tweets I'll get a really nasty one at the moment because it's it's so inflamed. The situation is so inflamed. And um, and I found myself withdrawing from it because I don't want to see it. I, I just don't. And um, it it I said this, I was chatting to Ollie Holt the other day and I described it as like a jab in the guts and it because it takes your breath away, you can see something and think, fuck, how has a human being written that to me? And, it, and assumed it's acceptable enough to be put in a public space. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I think Christ, are there not worse things that are going on in the world at the moment than a change of a presenter on a sports show? There's got to be.
0: <laughs> it's, it, 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 yeah, it, I mean, a friend of mine, uh, off the record, good, good friend of mine, Sean Walsh, was involved in that that kiss on Strictly.
2: I know him, yeah. And so,
0: some of the things that people—I mean, people were telling—and also, you know, people say, "Oh, it's just a minority." It fucking wasn't. It was fucking loads of people. People literally telling him to kill to kill himself. And, you, and I would, you'd read these tweets, and you're like, "How have you? How have you had that thought in your brain? Let alone that's gone out of your brain into your fingers, and you're typing that where we can." Honestly, I can't—I can't even comprehend it um, now one thing I wanted to uh, talk about if, if possible is uh, I don't think a lot of our listeners will appreciate this. You use the word runners. So I, hmm. I work in, t- I, I'm, I'm very lucky I, when this is all over anyway, I, I do work a lot in, in TV. So I know a lot of runners and I, and I, and I crucially, I know a lot of former runners. And what a lot of listeners may not realize is that the runners of today are the Laura Woods is, but they're also the top movie directors Mm -hmm. movie producers tv producers um and i know for a fact from people who have been runners who are now big names in in comedy and 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 movies and and so on they never forget the people who disrespected them on the (laughs) way up and i I, I mean there is something important about that isn't it because you did the hard yards uh and i imagine you similarly you'll never forget some of the stuff that you, you know you've witnessed i guess
2: no, um, I would say anyone that wants to do it, is, is, is try and do it from the bottom. Yeah. Because I loved it. I, lo- I loved going in, I, I did work experience at Sky Sports. Um, i tell you where I did before that, the Croydon Advertiser.
0: I was at the Croydon Advertiser.
2: No, I know. Someone just told me, yeah, you were at the Croydon Advertiser. And I think you were there when I was there. I was no at there way. weeks. promise you, it would have been around 2005 um you're joking yeah would it would have been two thousand so i went traveling in 2009 so it would have been 2000 maybe maybe 2005 is too uh no 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 i went traveling in 2008 so it would have been six or seven i was recording advertiser i think
0: i was oh two to oh five. so ah, i was Justin. i was covering i was covering crystal palace so i was home and away with with palace mm. and uh I probably stayed there a season too long. And the reason I stayed is because Ian Dowie might be the most fascinating human being I've ever met in my life. Okay. I'm, we just cl- we just clicked straight away. And so we, we met and Palace were fourth from bottom. Then they lost the first match, played brilliantly. And they, went, they were third from bottom, uh, I think, at Christmas 2003. And then he got them promote me it's, it's one of the most remarkable things I've ever witnessed yeah. um, because I loved him so much I just couldn't leave because he was I totally
2: get that I totally yeah. get that. I've,
0: I've
2: met him and his wife Debbie a few times Debbie yeah a few of those, few of those you know those tours I was telling you about in Portugal the, of the- course yeah they were there all the time and Debbie is the most amazing woman and, and Ian is the most amazing dancer have you ever seen him dance
0: yeah oh my god could he's, he's got it. I mean he's got snake hips you wouldn't believe it would you
2: and his boys as well I love that family they basically they took me under their wing on those trips and and I became one of their children it was amazing so I can I totally agree with the love but in terms of of work experience the the reason work experience and running so that kind of falls it follows on from each other doesn't it work experience and showing enthusiasm and showing that you can work hard and impressing people is super important and also you've got to figure out where you want to be so I realized that I did print journalism at university. I went and did a couple of weeks in the Croydon Advertiser. And then I did a week at Sky Sports. Oh, and the cool. difference for me, the difference for me was huge. I, I realized that TV was was where I wanted to be. And then I just kept bugging them again and again and sending them more emails. Please can I have more work experience? And then off the back of work experience is how I got the job running. And um, I was so enthusiastic about everything. I, I, I wanted to make everyone tease. I, I wanted to log footage that would never see the light of day again I, I remember logging speedway i didn't know what speedway was speedway was four men on bikes going round a track four times in the same direction they've got no brakes they've got no gears yeah whoever makes the first, whoever makes the best start is probably going to win <laughs> in, in domestic speedway right there's hardly any yeah. overtaking there's a couple of crashes barely any overtaking that's pretty much it right so if you <laughs> so i was i was racing i was logging these races and it was like six o'clock and the last girl in the office left and she went, you don't have to finish that because she knew that no, it didn't, no one was ever going to, but it was one of those tasks that you give to the work experience student to, or, the, or the runner, you know, just to keep them busy. But I wanted to do it. And I remember having a lot of pride in doing it. And I had a system of highlighting pens and I, I didn't want to make a mistake on the logging sheets. So it was, I felt, I felt proud of my work. Yeah. And um, I've always felt that at every level, whether it be running, assistant producing, um, editorial assistant, producing, reporting. I've always felt that sense of pride um, in anything that I've done. and all of those people that I've, that I learned, uh, sorry that I met at every level, I've always remembered the ones that are kind to me and there have been some that haven't been kind. I don't have any I don't have any horror stories. But I will always remember those ones as well, the ones that are rude and the ones that are kind and more so the ones that are kind. And it affects the way that I treat people now as well, because I will never um, not give somebody the time of day. I'll always speak to the runners because I'm so interested in where they've come from, what they're doing and also what they want to do. You know, there's there's one runner actually that works with us at the moment and um, he is so enthusiastic and he's everywhere. Yeah. and he'll be the first to bring you a team sheet. He'll be the first to ask you if you want a tea or coffee or want a Coke or anything like that, or, you know, banana or whatever. Um, and he's everywhere. And he brought his little brother onto um, one of, we were down in Bournemouth, the Vitality, and he brought his brother, his name's George, and I don't know what his little brother's name is. And he said, do you mind if I bring my little brother to meet you? And I was like, 100%, don't worry about it. Yeah, and he brought his little brother, and he was like, and I could see his eyes light up about, he was looking around like, oh, my God, this thing's amazing. And, um and I thought that kid will be brilliant one day because he has the best attitude. Absolutely. And he's so proud of what he's doing that he wants to bring his brother to have a look at it. And he's making teas and coffees for everybody. And he's running around, uh, he's, he's in everybody's face and it's brilliant. And I remember being as enthusiastic as he was. Now I remember him and I know his name and, and I'm talking about him in an interview. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's those kind of imprints I think that you can have when you are a junior that are so important that people will never forget. And equally, I will never forget everybody that's been kind to me, ever, really. I
0: mean, I'm a huge, I mean, to me, Bill, Bill Shankly is, a, is a, a, a god to me. And, it, you know, there's a footage of him saying that enthusiasm is the you new know, tearing up. as I. There's quite a bit about enthusiasm being the greatest quality that a, a person can have. And that that is you, isn't it, to a T?
2: Honestly, I, I think if I'm not enthusiastic about something, I shouldn't be there. I shouldn't be doing it um i've never woken up and do you remember when the night before school days sunday nights you'd have that dread in the, the dread and you'd be like oh god i've got to go to school i've got to do this i've got to do that blah, blah, Awful. Awesome. Blah. never had it in tv or radio ever yeah i used to have it when i worked you know summer holidays in a in an account's office or something like that totally you know, that dread if you can find something that you love but more importantly that you are always enthusiastic about it, it's, it's, the, it's the key isn't it I think to everything it's, it will un- unlock for me it's unlocked happiness all the time and I, I love my job and I, I want to be better at it Um, and I'll never stop trying to be better at it and it's because I've found something that I want to do I think
0: Laurie really got me crying again <laughs> I mean,
2: um, look at you, this is what isolation oh, well, yeah, doing
0: <laughs> Bill
2: shankley working on it yeah <laughs>
0: Before, before, before we go, may I ask, what, what, uh, what do you do for balance?
2: Oh, I don't have enough of it. Um, John? I don't have enough of it for sure. What I'm learning to do is, is get that balance. Um, and I'm doing it by seeing all the people that I love. And this now has been the biggest lesson that I've had. And the biggest break that I've had since I started at Sky for for 10 years, I've never been away from Sky this long. um, And I've never had as much time to think about something as I have now. So for all of these awful things that are happening in the world and people and friends of friends that we know, um, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to, to take all the positives and remember them because I'm, I'm spending time speaking to my family and friends and I I don't have excuses anymore. And I used to make a lot of excuses. I can't do this because of work. And I'd stopped, you know, my friends would stop inviting me to things because they know I'm working. And even though, yeah, you know, yeah. I work, I work six or seven days a week normally. And even though I know they can't invite me anymore because I work every day of the weekend. So, so there's no point in, in inviting me along even though I know that, I, I was quite hurt. Like, oh, they've stopped inviting me to birthdays. And I speak all the time to them. But it's those moments that I kind of think, you know what? Make time and and don't put things off and don't use work as an excuse. Because you, before we know it, we'll run out of time. And, and everyone will be settled down with friends and family and kids and stuff like that. You, and you won't be able to see them as much as you, you used to. So I think balance for me is is something that I'm trying to work on. Um. So if, yeah, I don't know what the answer is to that one.
0: fine I mean, the, the, this uh, this whole thing—a word, a word that springs to mind for me personally—and what you sort of touched on it there is uh, there's been a real reevaluation as to yeah. what's it again trying to cry for the twelfth time as to what's important and and what's not.
2: Yeah. You suddenly, when everything is stripped back, you don't have excuses and you don't have a schedule that you have to stick to you kind of think, well, you've got an opportunity now to re- re-stack your um, trolley. How about that? <laughs> there yeah. you go. So what do you want to put in there and what do you want to fill your life with? Let's say basket, not trolley. Basket sounds better. So <laughs> if your basket normally in life is is full of all these things that have been forced in there and so other people have put them in there and you, you haven't noticed that they've crept in. You've just emptied your basket out and now you can put back the things that you choose to put in there. And if work is there, well, maybe it's just less of work than it was before. And, and maybe it's more of your friends and more of your family. And maybe it's more, you know, uh, positive habits. So my, some of my friends are learning languages. I'm not, but <laughs> but they are. One of my friends is is learning to play the piano. There are all these positive things oh. that we can choose to fill our baskets up with. We just have to decide what we want to put in them. So, yeah, re-evaluating and starting from ground zero again is um, is the positive I choose to, to take out of it.
0: No, I know I should have wrapped this up about half an hour ago, but there's one question that...
2: Uh, I'm enjoying it.
0: <laughs> Laura, bless your heart. Thank you. So am I. Um, one last thing. I've I, I, I probably said that about three times now, but one last <laughs> thing. Do you think the Premier League, do you think it'll be back July behind closed doors or is that wishful thinking from me? <laughs>
2: I don't know I mean I hope it's going to be finished that's the one thing I do think I, I flip-flop with this because sometimes I I think are we selfish thinking about football but then I don't think we are because football is a lot of people's way of lives and it, and it makes us happy of
0: course
2: I think the season should be finished and the reason I think that is because I would rather delay next season or shorten it in some way, or move it around in some way, I think that's the easier way of doing it. I look at this season and I think of all the work that's gone into it, and I think of all the people that have travelled, all the fans, you know, all that money that you've put into travelling around to see your team. And then all the injuries that are sustained by players within the league, all this hard work.
0: And so then tell them, sorry, doesn't mean anything. I just don't think you can do it.
2: I don't think you can do it. I'm not saying rush it back at all. I'm saying find a way of, of of pushing everything else back. That's what we have in our power. Yeah. And complete this season, whether it has to be next, you know, when it have to be midsummer or after that summer, whether it leaks into next season a little bit. I just think finish this season. I think honor it and and reward people. How if you null and void it? There are more questions and more problems. I think it throws up than eventually just finishing it. And I, you know, I hear people, "Oh, just null and void it." I can't see that side of the argument. I don't know what. I don't know why. Why? So you can then start a season on time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why? Oh, guys, it's been a of
0: pandemic. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like, just give us a break and 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 don't rush it. Bring it back when it's safe to do so. If it's behind closed doors for whatever reason, I trust in the authorities. I, I do because I. They have more of an understanding of it than I ever will. So whatever these brains are doing to come forward and, and think of good ideas, it will be a shame if it's behind closed doors because it's about the fans. But if that's the way that we do it, just because it needs to get finished, yeah. then then I support it. I think you, I just think you've got to finish finish the season. Do it, uh,
0: Laura. I, I, I cannot thank you enough. This has been uh, mm-hmm. an absolute privilege. So thank you so much for your. <laughs> generosity of time it was it was so lovely to to chat with you
2: thanks for all your kind words honestly it means a lot because it's um it means that whatever i'm doing is i'm doing it the right way so thank you
0: well, my response to freddie when the offer came in speaks for itself does it oh oh thanks. it was it, it was the media oh my god laura is amazing i think she's wonderful yes please so uh thanks well, thanks for being so brilliant laura and um I I wish you every success in
2: the future. Not only lovely to meet you, it was also lovely to meet your daughter as well. Oh, my God. Oh, they're great. (laughs) And next time I see you and you've got a beard, I don't think I'll recognise you, a black beard anyway. (laughs) Oh, this
0: is honestly...
2: (laughs) I'm going to go and look for pictures now.
0: (laughs) Idiotic. Um, Well, thanks, Laura. Take care.
2: You you too. Enjoy. All the very best. Thank you. you.
0: Bye-bye. Huge thanks to Laura and to all the people who made that happen. Very grateful. Laura is on Talksport. I cannot recommend her enough. A, a terrific broadcaster. Doesn't matter what she does, whether it's TV, whether it's radio, or whether it's uh, guesting on the Balance podcast, just uh, tremendous. Big fan of Laura. She's on uh, on Twitter. You can follow her there, uh, and as I say, absolutely follow her on uh, on Sky Sports, Talksport, and indeed whatever else she does in the future. And have every confidence. Whatever she does in the future, she'll be. Brilliant at. Now you've been doing us a huge favor. Obviously, if you can share the podcast, spread the love, tell your friends. Uh, we are across the socials at BalanceLDN. I am at James Gill Comedy. Uh, and huge thanks to those of you who've been getting involved in the comedy nights that I do. Uh, always be comedy. We've been doing them online with Harry Hill, Ramesh Ranganathan, Sarah Pasco, Rachel Paris, uh, many, many more. It's been a real thrill. So thank you to you guys. Uh, Take care. Oh, drop me a line. I'm a uh, podcast. I was needy, wasn't it? <laughs> drop me a line, please. Uh, Podcast at balance.media to work with Balance. Maybe it's me doing an ad read, something else. Uh, Maybe some sort of uh, brand partnership. I can't believe I just said that, but brand partnership. Say it again, double down if in doubt. Uh, drop the sales team a line. Sales at balance.media. Bless your heart. Big thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.